Warning, this program typically features respectful, nuanced, and well-informed commentary, strong language, obscure pop culture references, and spurious allegations. We, we, we know of new methods of attack. Greetings, and welcome back to another exciting installment of Black People Radio. My name is Kwame Nfume. I am delighted to be here today. We are going to talk about white people, what they're doing to ruin this country, and what we can do about it. Brothers and sisters, we have to fight back. This is our time right now. I'm kidding. It's Camille Foster. It's the fifth (laughs) column. Delighted to be here. Seriously. I fooled you. I I fooled you. You thought it was... You're going to leave that? I want. Really. I no, wanted... To, I thought you were going to do a clean one after. <laughs> no, I I was hoping that we would stick with it uh, and well, like see how far we could ride it, it out. It, it could have been. I thought maybe he had flipped in like the past couple weeks. I hadn't seen him. And he's, right, wearing, he's wearing a lot of kente cloth today. <laughs> that's true. That's a bit weird. Yeah. Yeah. Not kente cloth. Big that's, clock around that's, his that's, desk. Yeah. That's, that's, just... that's about 30 years out of date, Matt, but that's okay. Listen. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. No, it's just it's just dust from drywall. Um, Camille Foster, do things at Freethink, that used to anyways, before the situation. Um, but I'm delighted to be here right now in this room, coming back at you with another installment of The Fifth Column. I was in this room last week, actually, and we yeah. recorded an episode which has yet to be released. I guess we'll release it like the day after this drops as a special mm-hmm. edition or something. But I had to run out of here because of a crisis involving my daughter. Um, oh, who, folks sorry. who weren't involved in the crisis, probably so we'll return to that story. Matt Welch, editor at Large of Reason Magazine, Damn in right. the building. He's Damn here. Right. It's wonderful to see you, Matt. You've been, been gone for like time. a month. It's actually kind of true. I was at Freedom Fest in Vegas yeah. about a month ago, and then California, yeah. Disneyland, France. In Europe. God, just gallivanting around the world. We're, we're delighted everything. to have you back. It's, it's awesome it's, to be back. This is the best time of year in New York because there's nobody here. That's, it's, yeah, it's, it's, good. it's nice it's not that quite enriches the city in a way. Yeah. That's no one here. Yeah, that it pers- also reminds you that you don't have enough money for a house in the Hamptons. No, <laughs> you don't, and you don't even have like enough friends who no. might invite you. No. The, the person bemoaning his economic station in life is uh, Michael Moynihan, Vice News. Wonderful to be with you. Good to be back. How I, are you? Honest, well, I came in. And I said, uh, you know, our uh, sometimes ombudsman uh, producer, Anthony Fisher, wasn't here. Yeah. And but I did come in. I look across and I was like, oh, my God, we've now we, we've replaced our previous co-host with Burl Ives. <laughs> Matt has a fucking beard. He comes it's back from Europe. Yeah. And it's like he's yeah. also he's in the silver bullet band all yeah. of a sudden. <laughs> I like bearded Seager. Matt. Seeger. What's I up, like Seegs. <laughs> you working on some night moves, I'm Matt? Just blaming it on the thunder. <laughs> yeah, it's amazing. I like bearded Matt. Yeah, I don't know. I think I like it. Yeah. I think I like it. It looks pretty good. I it's tried it out on you. TV. You do uh, look like yesterday. Brent Rosell, folks. That's <laughs> a ginger. <laughs> it's ginger, but it's got the white in it, so yeah. that makes me look like I'm richer than I am. That mm. I can actually afford the Hamptons. I, I saw yeah. a, a female. Um, friend of mine in in that I haven't seen in many years in Vermont uh, last week. And I, I saw her and I was like, oh, my God, it's so great to see you. Um, I, lo- I love the, the blonde hair. Like, we do the blonde hair. And she looked at me and she's like, it's white. And I was like, mm. oh, mm. oh, I look closely. And there's a little Sontag thing going on. And I, I kind of stepped in it there. So. So yeah, that's my that's my only story from Vermont, because otherwise it's um, a, a boring uh, state. Um, full of uh, homeless people, meth heads. I don't know what Bernie did up there because I was in Burlington. Oh, a lot yeah. of people living rough up there. Didn't know what was happening. Was I mean, did they still have like the Bernie communes and stuff? Well, although he was kicked out of the commune for not shutting the 
Fletch up, right? Is that right? Yeah, yeah, I know. He that, like he he was uh he was part of a commune, and he would just like the oligarchy is coming. <laughs> yeah, like, Jesus, like, could you just go get just, the wine? We just want to have a glass of wine. There, burn. Yeah, and he's like uh, the billionaires have the wine. Like, no, just please. <laughs> no, it's a very nice place up there, but it's um it's one of those weird mixtures of of just straight up hillbilly and um hippie. And I don't know how they coexist, but they seem to to do it quite, quite there, easily. There's got to be a belt of that, right? Because I was uh, 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 conversing with one of our listeners, I think, uh, actually on the Twitter machine uh, yeah, yesterday. I just dropped the name uh, Grant's Pass. I think Ben Price was the uh, was the, the kind gentleman. Uh, By and- the way, we've mentioned Ben Price a lot on the show because um, he's a super fan mm. and he's lovely. Um, but we do have hundreds of thousands of listeners <laughs> I just, we, we should we maybe talk about is. yeah we should know no, no no just that it feels like if you're listening to this it's like oh i guess there's like the one guy who listens to it named ben that's price. true there's also scott ross who sounds a lot like ben uh ben price and yeah. scott was uh, in town like two days ago I, on I, my stoop asking me a lot of piercing questions about camille's attitudes on race it was a great way to spend time uh, with him is that right yes I, huh. I, saw, I saw scott ross yeah yeah I had a good time with him why yeah. nobody, just, nobody why knows just, him, so why don't we, you should just move on from Why don't you just come find, just linger on. Why no, didn't he just I, come find me and ask the questions directly? What I mean to say is that— and It's pretty racist Vermont, to ask you to white-splain me. <laughs> <laughs> Vermont has that hillbilly hippie thing, as yeah. does uh, the kind of whole state of Jefferson area of Oregon and Northern yeah. California, right? Like places where you can get meth and weed oh, in, in a lot of meth hmm. Supply yeah. and there's got to be a, there's got to be a name for that. It's not. Is there it, is there much of a cross pollination there, folks who are definitely into weed who absolutely have to have their meth? No, not meth. necessarily. But they I mean, co- they coexist in the same places where you can have remote locations uh, uh, that are kind of out of the purview of the feds. So you can either have a trailer to cook sure, your shit sure, in, sure. or you just have the part of the national forest or the state forest that no one pays attention to. Um, or you, you make your state of Jefferson uh, rum and you send it to the fifth column. Care yeah, that's hand. great. Uh, I, I went to get a cup of coffee in the morning. Um, I was a bit hungover. So I just kind of ambled down into Burlington and I went out and I got my coffee and I just felt horrible. <laughs> I went outside in the thing that makes you, do you know, like when you're like really drunk and then you meet somebody who's like, you run into somebody who's super drunk and you feel super sober. You're like, Oh God, yeah. now I feel normal. I came out, I just felt terrible. And then I came out and there was a skinny guy who was like, really, he looked like, like, like half of Tom Petty, like just the air taken on him, really skinny guy with like scraggly kind of beard and scraggly hair and, and a, and a neck tattoo, which might've been the logo of the band Cinderella. I, yeah. I couldn't see it close up, but I'm just assuming it was that pushing a woman who was probably half his weight. We're now at about 50 pounds in a shopping cart down the street. That's nice. And that was in the morning. And I was like, Oh, I don't feel that bad. <laughs> That's, that's these people feel a lot worse than I do because you know Burlington's kind of a mess to be honest. Thanks, Bernie. My uh, my uh, friend uh, Steve Coulter once showed up on my doorstep at and I could tell tell the story because he no longer uh, drinks uh, as much as he used to. Um, I he showed up uh, on the our second floor uh, story uh, apartment uh, front stoop. I heard a clatter out there, and uh, it was Steve inside of a shopping cart um, at like eight in the morning. Yeah, with, that's fine. With a painting that he made, which is still in our house. Uh, if you've ever seen it, the, uh, it's the painting of uh, a clown putting his little clown scepter up around the neck and eyes of a terrified creature uh, whose uh, uh, irises, I guess, the eyeballs, whatever, um, are, are little monkeys. Um, and uh, and the name of the uh, painting is Jay Leno is not funny. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's 
That's exactly <laughs> what I thought it was going to be called. Yeah. Yeah. So um, okay. we're all back. Yeah. Um, yeah, we are. The one thing that I will say to end this kind of loose part of the show, uh-huh. <laughs> the one that everyone, it's like, the, it's like the beginning of Mark Maron or Joe Rogan's, when you just like fast forward for 10 minutes. So you get <laughs> no the actual one does that. Substance. They listen, they speak they up really quick, so yeah. everyone hears it like this. Um, yeah. Is that uh, you've lost your fucking mind, Camille. Have I? Just, yeah, totally. I mean, I really don't want to. I don't want to go. I'm not going to go into it, it but, okay. I, but I will point out that you <laughs> in your hands right now. You have a fucking tape measure. I was getting rid of the tape. Which, measure by the way, there's, the there's a juxtaposition here between that and the very feminine thing that's uh, in the other hand, <laughs> which is a uh, facial bees uh, cucumber facial wipe. facial cleaning towelettes product plug with cucumber and sage extracts. You know, it's yeah. it's for August, normal to dry skin. It's August in Manhattan. And for real men who work with their hands, who get a little dirty during the day, sometimes you, you just want to clean thing up with that? and you, and you want to feel fresh. Yeah. And when I want to feel as fresh as I possibly can, I grab <laughs> yeah, a package yeah. of Burt's Bees facial cleansing towelettes. I particularly like the cucumber scented towelettes. Uh, it just works, works great for me. We should point out. It's great for normal to dry skin. We you should can purchase a pack at your local Dwayne Reed. I'm going to point out right now. Yeah. That the people listen to this podcast. Yeah. And there, are, there are lots of them. There are a lot of people. I look at the numbers. We got a lot of people listening to this yeah, podcast. Yeah. Uh, You're all fucking freeloaders. Because that was the closest thing we've gotten to an advertisement. Yeah. Uh, and we could I be selling to, the shit. We could be. I talked to Camille yeah, about I'm last sell, week. I am selling it right now. Burt's Bees facial cleansing talent. It's not how it works. Get dude. your pack today. God, you just, how bad are you at business? <laughs> this is why you buy a house that's made of like paper mache. Can you I mean, not, you got to, you got to, you got to, my, my home is fine. I mean, yeah, everything would, is fine. If you're a smart advertiser out there, you'd have what? Yeah. Moynihan doing tall boys. Yeah. Champagne. Tall boys. Yeah. Oh yeah. 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 Is yeah. We, yeah. I, can, is there a cocaine ad? <laughs> that's a joke. That's a joke. No, the, of course there aren't cocaine ads. I don't know. I don't, uh, I don't live in California. You can still get mountains of the stuff oh, though, that's somehow. That's different out there. Can, yeah. can we talk about Jeffrey Epstein? We, yeah. sh- we should totally talk about I want to start with him. Yeah. The, the suicide. Um, did you just air quote? I, I didn't. It wasn't uh, enough air quotes. There was yeah. no air quotes. Yeah. I have, I have a, a bottle of Johnny Walker double black in my hand. Yeah. I was pouring it and I was the holding the be- bottle. The black is better. The double black's fine. Oh, I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> that's a little racist of you to be intimidated yeah, by exactly. that. Yeah, um, exactly. extra blackness. I, that's, yeah, you're, you're like somebody from the X-Clan. <laughs> that's a 90s hip hop reference. Um, Jeffrey Epstein. Yeah deaded himself in jail supposedly that's right and within seconds um all the people online uh, and you know weirdly like normally sensible people too i saw a lot of that like donald trump yeah totally um by the way that was like, like honestly kind of the final straw for me that he that he retweeted yeah, yeah. i was just like i hate yeah. i've always hated this guy i hate everything he's doing in this, I'm like, I just can't. I can't countenance this. This is just too much. He's literally retweeting a QAnon count, account saying that Jeffrey Epstein was murdered by the Clintons. Is that kid a QAnon uh, I don't fan? Know. It's all the same shit. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's, do you think the Q, do you think the guy that retweeted the fact that this is part of the Clinton death list yeah. is going to call you and be like, dude, QAnon? Yeah. Like, come on. <laughs> no, I just remember the Proud Boys, man. Well, no, the split I, off Proud Boys. I, yeah. I wasn't, I'm not entirely sure if this kid, uh, there was a, a kid on oh Twitter God, who creates a video um, mm-hmm. and suggests that the Clintons were somehow involved in Mr. Epstein's death because yeah. he has dirt on the Clintons. Um, he was also pushing back against suggestions that Donald Trump might mm-hmm. have su- had yeah, something yeah. to do. Definitely with, not uh, a murderer. Man killing himself in prison. <laughs> yeah. um, and Donald Trump retweets 
this yeah. this young man. And when yeah. it's asked about he it by the press, he defends it and says, okay, that's just <laughs> that's, a retweet. That's not very, me. very respected conservative pundit. Yeah. You know, and look, a lot of people are asking a lot of questions. No, he actually said he's got a lot of followers. Yeah. That oh, was no, his defense. No. Yeah, that's yeah, it. Like, he's got, got a lot of followers. The funny thing about the whole Epstein thing is the first thing that I thought, and I don't know why no one's mentioning this, everyone's like, this is great. Everyone's like, he was on Suicide Watch. He's clearly a murderer. Right. I mean, they're watching him all the time. Blah, 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 and everyone's like, well, you know, at the at the MCC, the Manhattan uh, uh, Correctional, blah, blah, blah. You know, they, it's this kind of organ. No way he can do it, especially because he's on suicide watch. Is it kind of hard for us to think that he committed suicide when he's on suicide watch because he tried to fucking commit suicide four days earlier? Does anyone think that this is like it kind of follows? It's kind of like the Lee Harvey Oswald thing, like definitely wasn't him. He definitely had no reason to kill Kennedy. He defected to to the Soviet Union and was handing out fair play for Cuba uh, leaflets because Kennedy was involved in the Bay of Pigs. Other than that, I I don't know what why he would do it. First and most important thing is that we we should all acknowledge that conspiracy theorizing about Jeffrey Epstein is really fun. It is so fun. Is it? It is. It's crazy fun because nothing makes sense. Prince Andrew just retired from public life forever yesterday. Did he say that? Yeah. The Buckingham Palace. uh, What was he doing previously? Well, he was. Besides like (laughs) fucking girls in Jeffrey Epstein's (laughs) office. At the rape temple in the Virgin Islands or whatever the hell. You can can beep that so the kids don't hear it. Uh, Okay. Which kids? My daughter listens to this. Seriously? No, oh. <laughs> she she thinks I'm such a loser. She's look. She doesn't watch things that I do. She's like, I'm not interested. Can we put on? I was going to Mar- be really impressed. Marx Brothers, right? No, oh, yeah. she's yeah. Well, yeah. Sometimes, sometimes my uh, eldest will hear it when uh, mm. when my wife yeah. is playing it. We'll bleep uh, that. Yeah, thank you. Um, uh, but H- no, hence the potty mouth. Prince Prince Andrew retired from public life uh, forever. They say because he's had a long a, a period of, of intense stress. <laughs> I, I can't believe it. I've, I I did not. I swear <laughs> in my life, I was not on the island of the temple buggering uh, little boys. What's whatever. her name? Giselle Maxwell. Giselle. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Who is who is just revealed by the way to be. Uh, living in a, a house in Manchester by the sea in Massachusetts. But did you, did you see where he, she was spotted today? No, where? Harry Siegel, our friend and a former guest, yeah. uh, pointed this out today. She was spotted today either at or in the drive-thru of an In-N-Out in California oh. reading a book about CIA assassinations. Are you serious? Yeah, totally serious. Totally oh. 100%. So, like, this is all... Crazy fun. I mean, it's so all, even the people in his orbiter conspiracy theorists. They interviewed a New York Magazine yesterday. His although uh, the CIA did assassinate people. His Russian uh-huh. uh, MMA fighter bodyguard, and he's like, "Yeah, it was it was not suicide." Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, he said that I, I don't want to tell you what I think. Americans because, yeah. Americans love conspiracy theories. I, I mean, I, like I think they, everybody like they do. does. But like, it's let's be honest the the original 2008 plea deal is mm-hmm. a conspiracy. It oh, is a conspiracy sure. among sure. yeah. powerful people to not have a person and his yeah. co-conspirators. I mean, the, 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 the plea agreement ruled out prosecuting co-conspirators without keeping that information or, by, by, or received, they made that information secret, unavailable to the people who were uh, uh, the other uh, plaintiffs in the, in the, in the, in the case, like Jesus Christ, like crazy shit happened in this case at all, at all levels. Alex Acosta said in, in the process of, uh, of why he made the decisions that he made as, as he was U S attorney, 
was that I was told not to touch this guy, that he was somehow involved in intelligence. I mean, it's all well, he said. And he said um, it was going to be even lighter. But I intervened and made it that kind of light sentence. That was his his argument. Was and they, that, and that there was had, a conspiracy to make it even lighter. But they had physical evidence. Two, uh, yeah. Then, like uh, either uh, videotapes or, or or pictures. Certainly, back then. So there's like there's you didn't have it wasn't but, a, but the incredible thing about these people and how brazen they are is then they 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 raided his apartment on the Upper East Side, which is like a sixty five million dollar apartment in the Upper East Side. Which um, he, is that the one that he got from uh, the Wexner guy? Uh, yeah, like from free? the Victoria's Secret yeah. guy. Yeah, a little so, small, little smaller than I expected. For yeah. 65 million. yeah. Well, I mm-hmm. went to. Um, Gua Wenggui's apartment, the, who's the Chinese billionaire oh. who who has that like eighty five uh, million dollar apartment. But huh. he's the one who's like under constant surveillance from yeah, the Chinese state. Exactly. Guy. So I did a little piece about it. Um, but I went to his apartment. Uh-huh. It's not that nice. <laughs> I'm serious. It was like it's a good view. Yeah. But like, all right, I, I see the park. It's a it's a good view. It's not a great. Yeah, view. I mean, it's a great view. Oh, it's great. But, view. but it's right. a great view. But like, I was out on his his uh, balcony. Yeah. Uh, with him and his little white dog, who mm-hmm. was called like you know Snowball or yeah, you know, yeah. Speedball or something. Yeah. And he and I was like bored after him. And I was so like, my, yeah, yeah, my no, old apartment was better. Is what you're saying? Yeah, your old apartment had a better view. I was higher view. Yeah. I was in uh, David Koch's apartment in that famous oh, building that, that they gosh. made a. Um, can I admit that? Um, I wouldn't if I were you. <laughs> I was in. <laughs> yeah. Everybody knows Reason Magazine totally taken care of by the Coke Man. Uh, he was on our board of trustees for a long time. He's mm-hmm. no longer is. He's uh, he's uh, in, in ill health and has been for a while. But uh, we had an event, like a, a thing at his house, uh, I don't know, five years ago, six years ago. I think Thomas Massey was there. Should I out Thomas Massey too? Yeah. Let's, and, let's, might let's, as well. Make Everyone out. knows he's corrupt. Uh, yeah. Um, and it's it was super nice, like great art on the walls and great stuff. But like just as a. I'm sure there were wings that we didn't see, mm-hmm. um, but you, you didn't walk out of there thinking like, yeah, that's, that's yeah. It's in Manhattan real estate. It's weird like that because there was uh, one person I worked for who's one of the richer people in the city and I was doing projects for him. And um, he's also a big art collector. And I was like, <laughs> I was in his office, which is like pretty amazing. Um, and it's here in Bryant park. And I'm like, you know, very, very high up. And I was like in the bathroom and I was like, is that a Kandinsky on the wall in the bathroom? Because that, there's no shower in here. So I was like, going to like, you know, warp it with like steam or something. But it seems a little <laughs> odd that it is. And it's like, I, and I can't, maybe it was, I can't remember when I asked him. He's like, oh yeah, sure. Yeah, that's, uh, I bought that one uh, last year. I'm like, it's in the bathroom, dude. So you can really <laughs> enjoy it. In your house, like people who walk into your house tend not to see it. It's not like the public isn't seeing it. It's a surprise. It's a surprise. But no, in his apartment, they, they go in and they find images. And I think just images, I don't think they say videos mm-hmm. of underage girls yeah. in various states of undress in a safe. Mm. And it's like, it, talk about somebody who believes that prosecution was the last one. But one thing that we might want to point out here is that we often make fun of journalists on the show. And we often... Uh, talk about how movies about journalists always have them as these unbelievable heroes that, you know, solve every uh, problem and, you know, swing in. Oh, what's that? Okay. Sorry. Is that? Yeah, it's my phone. Is that Thomas Massey? No, it's not. All right, we'll start. Yeah, we'll start again. Hi, Camille. <laughs> we'll start again. Did you get that rum? In, like in movies, they, they're these heroes, et cetera. Um, th- there's an interesting thing here because think of the two big you know, cases that have been prosecuted or the three big sexual assault um, and sexual impropriety, whatever it might be, cases, um, they were spurred by journalism. Yep. 
Harvey Weinstein. Uh, these charges were because uh, against Epstein were because of a Miami Herald exhaustive report. Amazing. And add to that, it's not the police, it's not the FBI. Add to that the Bill Cosby thing because of a comedian. That's right. Because mm-hmm. of uh, Hannibal Burris. I mean, it, it is it is amazing what is precipitating this stuff. And it's not actually any of these Me Too things. There's not a lot of like th- those prosecutions of like, you know, the sort of individual cases. I mean, the New York Times one for sure. Right. I mean, I mean, that's that's an amazing piece of journalism. And Harvey Weinstein is is uh, going to probably go to jail because of that. And, you know, that's a pretty f- interesting thing to, to note. If like as, you know, journalism's dying, we have all this, you know, people aren't buying newspapers and we have, you know, the Internet is just this fog of stupidity and idiocy and, you know, you know, shamings and cancellations and the rest of it. But when you kind of brush it all away, there's like people doing like actually life changing work. And in the case of Jeffrey Epstein, the life changing is that he's dead. Mm-hmm. Uh, the I think the uh, mm-hmm. a thing that goes along with that. Um, is the Miami Herald killed him? <laughs> the, totally did, and she's great. Uh, uh, um, very, uh, very talented. Very, an incredible piece of journalism. See her often on uh, on uh, on TV. I think MSNBC most often. She's a very good. Always sort of adding good insight uh, when she's there. Uh, so you have these individual high profile, like um, you know, just knockout punch stories. But that also goes hand in hand. With what has been one of the consequences of the hollowing out of newspapers and the hollowing out of big, big traditional institutions that cover this stuff, the the lack of uh, knowing just how basic stuff works on a daily basis. For instance, the way prisons are administered, right? Mm. Like mm. I, rem- I remember, and I'm sure they've corrected it since then, but as part of the LA Times is. A uh, long, uh, sad, overly ballyhooed decline, and I, I'm still a columnist, uh, an occasional columnist there, monthly, um, and I used to work there. Uh, but there was a, a point where they no longer had a courthouse reporter, and it's just yeah. like, what? This is L.A. Like all of the crazy banana shit that you ever yeah. see. This is where, I mean, where the TMZs in the world like flooded that zone and then became the courthouse reporters' record there. But like the working knowledge, and, and this, and this even. Uh, um, preceded the hollowing out of journalism. This was uh, actually kind of part of the uh, kind of New York Timesization. I know it's not a word of of normal newspapers or like the dominant daily newspapers everywhere, which is to say uh, there was such a strong urge to not do tabloid journalism. This is post-World War II. Uh, all the, the kind of venal tabloids of the Hearst era were, seemed to be terrible. So the, what do tabloid newspapers do? They cover crime. And so if you're a big, respectable newspaper, you don't cover crime so much because that's sensational, yeah. right? And so what happens there? You have in a generation of the sources of news that should actually be the ones to let us know how prisons work, how the, how this, you know, my God, there's the, you know, the prison guard unions complaining that they don't have enough money and and this kind of stuff, but there isn't a workaday reporting. And so if there isn't that um, to begin with, the way people are going to latch on to any, you know, the instant Wikipedia experts about how yeah. prisons are done. And that's a a, a bad cycle. I want, I want to point out that in the post-war period, the um, New York Post, which is what we think of as American tabloids. We don't have tabloids in this country in print. We have three as far as I can. The Boston Herald. Oh, there's one in Philadelphia, too. The Heralds, uh, the one in Philadelphia, the the Post, and the and the Daily News. We, it's not like a culture like you have in we the UK. Have Chicago mm-hmm. doesn't Chicago? Have? Not really. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was the Sun Times was the one that was you know the lesser Tribune. But I mean, re- remember that after the war, I mean, J- it was James Wexler who was editing the New York Post. It was a very left wing guy, 
And it was like a left-wing paper. It was a Democratic paper. Of record, you know? I mean, it was a serious paper. And it was, it was only later that it became that, that tabloid thing, fighting against that. Um, but yeah, no, I, I, I find it really fascinating. And it's like, you know, one of the things we forget about cancel culture which we talk about a lot on the show mm-hmm. and the silly things, you know, we have, we have a segment in the show that w- we get to irregularly. Mm-hmm. Uh, some idiot wrote this, which is based on that, which is based on that type of quote unquote journalism. The New York magazine has a piece that's worth reading on babe.net, the demise oh, of right, babe.net. Yeah. They're the ones who did the Aziz Ansari and was part of rape story. Well, what I was unaware of until I read that story, by the way, is that they, it was, it's, it's that company tab, the UK student paper thing that oh. became a, a larger uh, company. Um, and that they did actually go into a room with Rupert Murdoch and, you know, came out with a pile of cash. So that like babe.net was, Part of that was part of being funded by murder. But, um, you know, reading these, this kind of description of this newsroom and these kids, and they're kids, basically, just out of college. One was saying that she couldn't go out for after work drinks because she was only 20. And these people are filing copy, like, just not constantly. And, of course, you know, it, it is like cancel culture is cheap. It's inexpensive. It, you know, you can't have somebody on that story like the Miami Herald story, which is, you know, ex- exhaustive bit of investigative journalism and costs a lot of money. And so these places that are, you know, they're doing journalism of just like you know, churning stuff out every day. The cheapest stuff uh, with the highest return is obviously, I mean, it's a demented uh, business model, which is, you know, it, it incentivizes the worst behavior. And that's why we actually, and the problem is, is that we incentivize the worst behavior too by responding to it. Yeah. Um, but we, I mean, it, it, one has to in a way, because you can't pretend it doesn't exist in the fact that, you know, journalistic culture, a big, a big percentage of it, even people who do, who do, you know, real journalism get caught up in the dragnet of this stuff. Cause we can talk about the New York times journalist mm. who was just uh, demoted. Right. Mm hmm. Did you hear about this, Matt? I glanced at it. It was confusing. This is Roxanne Gay, right? No, well, uh, she's involved. She's involved. So she's involved, and, and I can't quite figure out the offense. I mean, the offense is is um, uh, what, this what's, guy, Jonathan Weissman. Right? It's Jonathan Weissman, and so he uh, it was two things. He mm-hmm. tweeted something about uh, uh, Rashida Tlaib and um, Ilhan Omar being Midwestern. And he's like, come on, they don't that, like they don't. That's not mid, the Midwest when we think about when we talk about the Midwest. Um, I get his point. I see what he's saying. Right. I mean, it's kind of, kind of wrong when he comes to uh, Minneapolis uh, and St. Paul. But whatever. Of, of course. And, you know, I, I get it that, that what he's what he's saying is that when somebody thinks of like the heartland Midwest, they're not thinking about metropolitan cities. It's kind of what he's saying. Right. In inelegantly phrased. Um and that was ultimately what got him got him uh, demoted and being demoted at the New York Times. That means, you know, your career is you know not going anywhere. You're done. And on top of that, he had um, sent a couple of letters, emails, one to Roxanne Gay and one to her publisher, I think, uh, complaining about something that Roxanne Gay had said about this, um, which when I read, I didn't find particularly offensive. I just who has the fucking time? You know, I can't um, send any messages to Roxanne Gay because she blocked me. <laughs> so, um, and, and talk about somebody who's not worth anyone's time. An utter mediocrity and complete, completely boring person. Ooh. I don't know why people get so excited about her. I mean, let's be honest. I mean, you can't tiptoe around this stuff. It's like I read her stuff and I'm like, this is boring. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's I just find it boring. I can't remember. Was it? It was she I think she responded by saying something about like, isn't that the the response of a privileged white man? It's like. 
you know, race is, of course, injected into everything. He, can, he can't just be a bonehead for being a bonehead. But the response to that was to, to demote him for having maybe just a bad opinion. Mm-hmm. It's not, it's, I don't find it particularly offensive. I think it's very, very debatable. But why is this guy walking the plank because of it? It's like, you know, in journalism, don't tweet. And if you do tweet, make sure you do it like that woman who was hired um, by the New York Times who was saying those things about white people. What was her oh, name? right, right, right. On the, on the editorial board. I yeah, forget, yeah. I like, yeah, that, that was like, they doubled down. Like, we are going to stand by her because of these tweets because people are trying to cancel her and we're going to stand up for I, somebody in their own, own organization tweets something stupid and they get rid of them. I think that when the great history books are written about our era of journalism, one of the real villains is going to be revealed as Dean Baquet, the current editor-in-chief of the New York Times, who's the editor-in-chief of the LA Times. Villain. 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 Uh, villain. N- okay. Villain. Villain of journalism. Not All a right. villain of life. I mean, her- villain's a pretty strong term. He has uh, the uh, distinction of not only refusing to run the Mohammed cartoons after the first um, uh, in fada of uh, uh, back in the day in 2006. Um, but then he made the decision, this was over at the LA Times, but at the New York Times, he made the decision not to post the file photo of what used to be a statue of Mohammed on a courthouse in New York oh, yeah. in lower Manhattan, which yeah. had sta- yeah. they ran an article about how, hey, this the statue was up there for 50 years and no one really cared. Now it's in a warehouse somewhere. Um, this was kind of, this was uh, written right after the Charlie Hebdo massacre and but like they and and they said for our part we are choosing not to run a file photo of this and mm-hmm. all of his statements and this is true with the Jonathan Weissman thing this is true they had a uh, like a town hall meeting discussion in house meeting new york times did mm-hmm. about yeah, I was just reading this piece yeah about a headline mm. a, oh, yeah. a temporary mm-hmm. headline that yeah. that the entire left freaked out over about uh, trump's uh, comments versus racism or something mm-hmm. um and in every one of these cases, he's like, ah, this is just, uh, I don't know, this is really, this is really difficult. Like he, you can, he exudes someone who is scared constantly of the mob. He does not have the courage of his and, own and by convictions. mob, you mean the staff. At this yeah, point, yeah, it's exactly. staff. Uh-huh. It, it's it, it, used exact- to be, it used to be the readers. It used to be, you know, fictitious Arabs who were going to come and blow up the uh, L.A. Times mm-hmm. if if uh, we dared to show that one of these stupid cartoons that was, uh, you know, reprinted in the cause of, of so much violence or, you know, that cause celeb of so much violence. You know, but what's going to happen? Like, you know, the, the people going to rise up in Westwood and come down and like uh, burn the L.A. Times? The ground? Th- no. I mean, this is exactly what you don't need in journalism in 2019. You need somebody with kind of a like a stiffer spine than this, because when you have so many people being canceled and you have I mean, sometimes it's justified, sometimes it's not. Um, and you have so many people being being raked over the coals for like a mistaken headline. I remember the, I was talking about the Jeremy Lin headline today with the friends, the one this is the, the chink in the yeah, armor from the, the kid. Oh, who right. yeah. I think he's become a priest now. Um, is that right? Yeah. Um, Jeez. But this, this, this in this day and age. Everyone's talking about how journalism is under threat, right? And, you know, we had Tim Snyder on this show. Mm-hmm. We had him for a very short period of time. So Camille and I let him talk mm-hmm. and then felt bad afterwards talking about him as he'd gotten off the phone. But, you know, if he'd stayed around, we would have talked to him. Right? <laughs> <It's true. laughs> Don't be an asshole. We've put some pointed questions you know, I got, to him. Yeah, I got a lobster in the pot. I have to go. I'm like, yeah, fine, whatever, dude. <laughs> and uh, so these people who are, I think in some senses, in the sort of broadest sense, rightfully um, worried about what is happening in the White House 
and then of course expanding it to this kind of Naomi Wolf, everything's fascist sort of thing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, and what they do is they they you know steel themselves against you know the the, the Trumpist attack on journalism which exists, but just doesn't have any effect on journalism. New York Times is still banging on every day. You know, and they still give Maggie Haberman interviews, right? The the Washington Post is still going every day. Chris Cuomo's going every day, right? We talk about Fredo (laughs) Fredo. in a second. And all this stuff, it, it has had no effect. I mean, I know it's it. I don't like this language, you know, enemy of the people and the rest of it. But it's not going to it hasn't precipitated, you know, mass killings of journalists. No. What it's precipitated is uh, something, though, that is sinister, which is all this now right wing enthusiasm for uh, censoring the Internet. Oh, abs- absolutely. Which is, and this is absolutely after four or five decades of mainstream conservative and also libertarian media critique and media policy critique of let's get rid of the fairness doctrine because that gives bureaucrats and politicians power over people and the threat. Let's get rid of that. Let's get rid of the equal time rule, yeah. which JFK used and LBJ used. Like, a, like uh, these, a, these people a have no fucking principles. Before I go back to like what, um, you know, it, it, to stand up against this administration, um, you know, who now has, you know, an unfavorable rating of probably 58% or something. Uh, Americans are just, I think, turning hard against Trump. And I think we're going to see that. And we see that in, in Fox, the Fox News poll today, 58%. Uh, you know, six in 10 people think that he's on year 10 of an economic expansion, yes. which is ending tomorrow. Yes, because <laughs> of everything he's doing. You can't affect the expansion, but you can stop it. That's what you can do as a president. But, you know, John, uh, you know, in that moment, you need an editor who can stand up against, uh, you know, the, the, the darker forces and to stand up for things that aren't popular. You're not supposed to be popular as an editor of a newspaper. And when, when, when Dean Baquet wouldn't publish the Muhammad cartoons, Mark Cooper, the left-wing journalist uh, from The Nation, um, who's great on these issues and great on free speech issues, posted something about it on Facebook. And um, Dean Baquet chimed in and called him an asshole. You're an asshole. That's what he said. To him, like he, he, this is the journalist who's the executive editor of the New York Times. Yeah, the previous one was a plagiarist, a thief, and oh, um, right, that guy. Yeah, I can't remember her name, but she wasn't <laughs> very good. Um, so yeah, that's. I mean, that's that's where we are now. And to your point, as a final point here, is that on this conservative instinct to you know bring back have their own fairness doctrine to pretend that they care for free speech until it comes to stuff that they hold sacred. Um, Josh Hawley. Uh, was on the podcast, The Argument, which is a podcast uh, that the New York Times editorial board does. Um, Michelle Goldberg is on it. Uh, Ross Douthat. Ross Douthat interviewed Holly and talked to him in the latest edition about Facebook and about Twitter. And, you know, uh, it's left wing bias and the government has to intervene, blah, blah, blah. And, and, and he's introducing a bill. And if it's if a company of a certain size, then we'll intervene if they're not intervene. How? What are you going to do? And of course, they give you know lip service to it and says, well, you know, uh, they can do what they want, but. And Salman Rushdie used to call them about free speech, the butt brigade. Yeah, I believe in free speech, but. And there was always, always that qualification. And every qualification gets dumber and dumber and less defensible. There's a, there's a, a an, an aspect of this um, that's worth highlighting, which is I think at some point there becomes a relationship with kind of. Uh, uh, political hyperbole and idiotic ideas that become policy. And this is what happened, I think, with a conservative approach to media right now. For so long, we've all seen this. 
Certainly, if you go to some places like CPAC, the Conservative Political Action Conference, what's the punchline? What is the what is the line that every politician running for president says in order to get the most applause? It is fuck the media. Fuck the media. It fake just news. always is yeah. fake news now. Um, yeah. But this was true in 2015. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, like Jeb Bush is there. This is even before Trump was running. Um, uh, all these people were in there, and when, as soon as they turn on the, you know, the, the, I mean, the remember, liberal media. Re- remember Tucker Carlson getting booed at CPAC for saying that he was going to start something called the Daily Caller, and he was going to, this never happened, he was going to use the New York Times as a model, because the New York Times does great journalism, and that is indisputably true. They screw up a lot. They have an internal culture from people that I know that work there that I do not like or appreciate, and I think uh, produces, like, you know, journalism that, that could be better. Um, but it's a good newspaper. It's a quality newspaper. And when he said that in the room, he was met with the lusty booze of, of you know, like this angry crowd. And he was and he argued back to them. He said, no, 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 no. Just because you don't agree with them doesn't mean they don't do good work and they do do good work. And you realize that this was never something that every presidential candidate said. Now, this is the victory of Donald Trump, because if you look at the Democratic field this week, what do we get? People attacking the media. Bernie Sanders, mm-hmm. Beto O'Rourke. Mm-hmm. Uh, who else? Who was there? It was um, somebody else did a, a pretty. Uh, God, who was it? You can cut this out. Yeah, mm-hmm. no, there was there was a, there was a bunch, but I'm. Uh, I think I'm, I, I, I mean, hold on, because Anthony put it in his email too. Oh, Biden. Biden's team. Oh, yeah. uh, we're we're upset I'm because uh, they no were gaffes. going after his uh, gaffes. Yeah, so Joe, is a media yeah. a media narrative. Joe Biden also doing this, too. So you have mm-hmm. three candidates, uh, two kind of viable, uh, one not viable. Um, Obviously, you're endorsing the Beto O'Rourke campaign. Yes, there. Yeah, yeah. I, I am a big fan mm-hmm. of Bet. That's what I call him, B-E-T. <laughs> oh, yeah. that's cool. Hope, so, yeah. Hopefully that'll catch on. But, you know, it's funny to hear Democrats saying this, and, and it's not funny to hear Bernie say it, because as somebody who spent a fair bit of time watching old cable access stuff in Vermont of, of his uh, speech. He brought Chomsky to Vermont. Um, this is a conservative media narrative and it's a kind of leftist media narrative too. And Chomsky's famous book, Manufacturing Consent, mm-hmm. which is about how the corporate media is lying to you and they don't tell you the real news that, you know, there's this uncensored news every year, the top 10, you know, censored news stories. You remember these things? Yeah, mm-hmm. they still, they're still, they still do that. And, and, and they're never really news stories. Yeah. Um, certainly not censored. At this point. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and Bernie's been complaining about this forever. So you see Bernie in this popular surge in the last time around, not doing as well this time. And then you see Trump and what's happening. Everybody is taking their shot at the media. And you wrote a call on that mm-hmm. saying that um, they were taking a shot at uh, uh, or Bernie was taking a shot at Jeff Bezos and saying he controls, he owns the Washington Post. And that's why he's not getting fair coverage. Mm-hmm. What was the premise of your piece? Well, it's, uh, it's self-evidently garbage. Um, as Marty Baron, who acted more like you wanted Dean K to act, which is basically go fuck yourself, Bernie, yep. uh, which is the appropriate uh, rejoinder, if indeed that what he said is untrue. And I believe that it is untrue. Do you think that would that would be the uh, response of The New York Times? 
yeah. internally? Do you think they'd have a meeting about? I mean, the, the post no, is they would have a, full they, filled with professionals. They would have a meeting, <laughs> and uh, you know, the uh, everyone. Bernie's uh, right. Everyone, <laughs> I can't believe that. Everyone <laughs> under thirty five so would agree with Bernie. No, but the thing is, it's 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 totally conspiratorial. There's a Times uh-huh. journalist, but <laughs> I don't know which one. And you're is that Barry Weiss that no, you're doing? It's Barry. Yeah. It's it Brett Stevens. Yeah. <laughs> you're right to say that this has been a critique on the progressive left forever. Like corporate media. When I, I cover the Nader campaign in 2000, mm-hmm, it's just like mm-hmm. corporate media this, corporate media that, and it's you know it's like they, they've had this book out. Uh, ben Badjdikian, who is a, a, a sorry to mispronounce his Armenian name, but who was a hero in the uh, post movie. Um, uh, uh, he wrote this book called Media Monopoly uh, back in God knows when, uh, like the, the 80s probably. Uh, and every five years he updates it. It's like yeah, it's getting even worse. Um, and like monopoly is a word that has meaning. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Note the mono part mm. of Monopoly, <laughs> suggesting one. Mm. And like, uh, and uh, I think the first reason uh, piece that I edited, uh, like way back in 2004, was by a guy named Ben uh, 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 Compan, uh, and uh, and it was all about how they've had to elasticize this concept of media monopoly because mm. you know the largest six. Media corporations control X percent of the whatever, and then becomes the largest twenty media corporations control <laughs> a smaller percentage. And at some point, like, dude, there are you know, barstool sports is a big <laughs> thing in the world. It didn't exist five years ago. It's super jackassy, but like, the media is not controlled. They're obviously, part of the corporate media. And uh, so, what Bernie Sanders said this week is, you know, uh, and he kind of doubled down on it, um, even after while you know trying to distance himself from Donald Trump because he was criticized by a lot of journalists. Of course, journalists yeah. notice when they're going after journalism. They don't notice when he says the same shit about the the Koch brothers. Literally, like two months ago, he said uh, the Koch brothers are trying to uh, buy the Democratic Party so they could steal the 2020 elections, yeah. and it got zero. Like there was one nexus. Uh, 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 but he also said that that, that um, the White House is marching to the Cook Brothers tune. Yeah, so, right. Which is super th- obvious. Th- there's nothing that these guys can't do. It's uh, right? it's it's amazing. Uh, but so, like, it's a conspiracy theory, and he does this about billionaires all the time about mm-hmm. the oligarchs and the billionaire class, which is not to say that the billionaires don't do terrible things like have rape islands with like Bill Clinton in Monica's dress paintings, which we didn't. Is that true? It's in his house. Yeah. You, yeah, yeah. It's really bizarre. I've Dude, seen I'm a picture you, of it. You should was, Google it. Is a picture of it? The, Ep- yes. the Epstein, Epstein conspiracy this theorizing painting. is is wonderful. It's a yeah. great way to spend time. It's it's all fucking bananas. Can, but, I, can I ask a question yeah. about that? Uh, the Epstein conspiracy okay. theories. It is not as though some conspiracies have not existed, that governments have not done bad things, that occasionally people with bad opinions have disappeared or been disappeared or that Pro is a thing. There are bad things that have happened that are, in fact, conspiracies. Um, yeah. Differentiating between a conspiracy theory that is completely illegitimate, ridiculous and unfounded and uh, perhaps a story that is maybe a bit early and perhaps hasn't been vetted yet. Why does one know that they shouldn't take assertions about 
the nefarious forces that co- collaborated to 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 kill Epstein in his cell. Because, Why because should people not take those because, things seriously? Because there's no evidence. Yeah. So this is, this is not. This I mean, is that's, based off. That's of, interesting. Yeah, but it, I mean, it's based off a feeling that said, you know, there's so many powerful people. They somebody wanted him dead. Could have been Trump. Could have been Hillary, etc. Mm-hmm. It's not as if like so today. But people a, cite the inconsistencies. Even uh, if but, even but, if but there's, you say there's no evidence, there's you say, well, what about this? What about that? in everything. This is right. This is the thing that nobody understands. I mean, I mean. Every like Holocaust deniers get off on the fact that there's five, <laughs> six data points that are correct, but they're misunderstanding, right? right. right? And that's and different, uh, different estimates of the number of people who were killed, for example. But they had they, a little too well, true. I mean, yeah. they, they talk about Raoul Hilberg not doing six million, etc. So, like, yeah, that's an actual academic debate that uh-huh. you're you're you know destroying and boulderizing for your own for your own political point. But today, you can maybe say. Okay, let's have that discussion. Mm-hmm. And the reason I say that is because there was there was this pathologist report that he had broken uh, b- bones in, in his, his vertebrae in yeah, his neck, yeah. which can happen when you commit suicide. Mm-hmm. But it, but it's more common in strangulation. So okay, right. that's a something. The contrast being with the Eric Garner situation, where the, there were no none of these broken bones in his neck. So they yeah. said the police and various other officials were saying, "See, obviously, yeah, the police did everything appropriately here. He did not die because he was strangled to death." But, but, but the thing is, is everybody's a fucking pathologist now, right. and like I don't know anything <laughs> about this stuff, but I hear I'm reading this. And you know, the Garner comparison, they say, well, you know, it doesn't happen. You know, it's more often, you know, associated with people being strangled. Mm-hmm. Um, but it can happen more frequently with older men. Right. And so there's that. Like, I don't know anything about this stuff. I'm, And everyone becomes uh, they're doing autopsies on their fucking laptops, you know, in, in you know, Tuscaloosa. Yeah. It's like, come on, guys, wait until there's something. You know, there's always a, a fairly obvious explanation for these things. And, and it, who, I just don't know how these people think this happens. If you've ever been into that jail, there's a great Twitter thread by somebody who's a lawyer, I think a public defender or something, talking about how horrible that jail is. Mm-hmm. And that was, that was the place where it was being protested. Remember, it was being protested over the winter for like, oh, is, it, is that the same that's place? That's the same place. There was the Brooklyn and the Manhattan ones. Wow. Being protested. Because they like had no heat. They, they like, don't. It's deplorable they, they, It's deplorable. There's like no one paying Why attention. Why wouldn't you have a high value target taken care of a little bit better, Michael Moynihan, the way because, that El Chapo was, for example. <laughs> because then you'd be favoring the high, high and then Bernie would right. do a speech about you. Yeah. Uh, they're giving him a very nice uh, home. Like, you know, I mean, <laughs> Don, well, he Donald Donald Trump's administration is taking care of him. Yeah, Obviously, exactly. they're trying to get him to stay quiet. But I mean, it's it's crazy to think that, um, you know, it's especially I always think that, you know, when I'm uh, waiting for the subway in the city. Oh, my God. I'm, I, I literally my friends fucking hate me. Because I get on the subway platform. That's well, great. He talks about my friends as a separate group than us. <laughs> it's true. It's true. Do you guys, I understand. Do you guys live in New York? No. No, no, no. I don't know. I took the train I from D.C. Don't. I don't have a home at all. Yeah, it's true. It's just, really? Just you don't? Just sawdust I, on yeah, the fire. I, I thought you were <laughs> catching it. the Acela in, in Wilmington. Um, <laughs> that's what That's what your wife told me, that that uh, Puerto Rican girl. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm always like, I'm always texting like, guy, next fucking train is in 19 minutes and it's like you know friday at eight o'clock and i always say i cannot believe the mta it produces two things mm-hmm. it should produce two things libertarians and anti-americans yeah right yeah. europeans come and they're like i cannot believe this is absolute trash we would never do this in france you know and then and then americans are like how the fuck is government this bad at everything yeah and so that's when i see the epstein thing i'm just like okay 
I don't want to hear any people, any of these libertarian types saying, I don't know, conspiracy, because there's a lot of overlap between the libertarian types and the conspiracy theories. Really? It's like a little bit. And it's like, oh, you guys <laughs> think government is unbelievably incompetent yeah. until it's fun to create a conspiracy theory in which they're like omnipotent. I love the I love the conspiracy theories that involve the Clintons, because then I have to recall the fact that, you know, there was this this intern that the president was porking in the Oval Office. Don't, it's not porking. That's not a, that's not a verb, keep it quiet. Yeah. I suppose you're right. That doesn't quite apply. It's also it a verb matter. that I don't want to use. In this this. Yeah. <laughs> I'm also looking at this painting. of this <laughs> painting. In the blue dress and the red shoes. Yeah. See? Very it's fetching. Amazing. Tell me that it's not fun to conspiracy theorize. But if the president, if the president can't like keep that sort of thing a secret, I think it's fair to suspect that it might be even more difficult for the president and his wife to cover up, uh, the former president and his wife to cover up a murder. A now, murder look, in, a, in a federal There's prison. no evidence, by the way. And people have looked into it um, from flight logs and stuff that he was ever on the island, mm. by the way. I mean, he did hang out with him. And, you know, here's the thing. You yeah. would defend him. Why are you defending R- him? Well, rich people hang out with rich people. Yeah. <laughs> and especially if you're a billionaire and uh, you give everybody money, particularly like academics, like he had that academic study group. And, and you and, film everybody on your property as they're hanging out with 15-year-old Russians? Uh, I, I mean, if that's true. It's totally true. You think so? Yeah. I mean, he had cameras everywhere. There's a, the woman but, who came out. But are they, are, are, were they saving the material? Because a vault. Yeah. You just mentioned it earlier on the podcast, a vault of media. Yeah, but I thought that was just like the dirty stuff. Yeah, this is, this sounds like wild speculation, man. It's Welsh. not wild speculation at all. I mean, <laughs> he, he, uh, the interview he had Only with James bit. Stewart that was published in the New York Times a couple yeah. of uh, days ago, which in fairness, didn't have a lot of names attached. I don't know if he, if he mentioned any names, but that that was the interview was conducted a year ago. And Jeffrey Epstein spent most of the time uh, talking about two things, how much video he has everywhere uh, and that he has uh, really uh, serious dirt on a lot of powerful people. Mm-hmm. It's a reason to at least indulge privately with uh, or publicly on a podcast that no one listens to uh, <laughs> in hilarious speculation, but always with the throat clear of like, of course, no one fucking knows what happened. You just don't. And 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 also the most likely explanation is still the most likely explanation, which is suicide guy uh, wanted to commit suicide. And yes, officers were not doing their jobs properly and tried to cover it up by lying and falsifying their logs to suggest they were, in fact, checking yeah. in on him yeah. when, in fact, they were sleeping. This happens. This is mm-hmm. not surprising. No, I mean, and it, it, it kind of buttresses the point that these guys, I don't even think they were there. <laughs> they were like they weren't. They were like outside, like you know, like smoking their jewels or something. And they came back and said, "Like, oh my god, that fucking guy's dead." Fuck. <laughs> to get a logbook, like the other guy was. The other guy was like, "We have a logbook." He's like, yeah. Yeah, 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 it's a logbook. Yeah. It's like it's because we don't update shit here. We just we have logbooks because it's like 1950 in New York. <laughs> I, by the way, I had court fees that I had to pay. Um, and I want to, I want to um, congratulate Joanna for going and paying them for me. Oh, <laughs> yeah, she's terrible amazing. Terrible person. Well, she actually went one day and they were closed because it's the fucking New York DMV uh, or the court. Uh, but I want to say this. I wanted to pay it online. Not possible. Huh. You cannot pay your court fees online. Really? It's yeah. It's another way to 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 get people, you know, you know, in late fees and not, I mean, you have to go 
to this place, which is open from 1030 to 1045 on <laughs> on Ash Wednesday and then two Kwanzas in a row, but uh, not the third one. Right. And then you got to go and wait in line yeah. with all these fucking scumbags with like neck tattoos and like droopy eyes and one big shoe. And everyone's in there. Everyone's committed crimes, like real crimes. Not like I was driving my daughter and I forgot about a ticket from yeah, yeah, yeah. the Clinton era. Yeah. And so you got to do that. You can't pay it online. Yeah. So. I, I still haven't paid the ticket, by the way, that I got initially <laughs> got. I want to see how much it is. Probably $25,000. And we'll do a fundraiser by the uh, on this yeah, show. Yeah, if it yeah, is. Yeah, yeah. It's the call. Still got a little Bitcoin. It's the town of Mentz or something or whatever in upstate New York. And I called them and it was the, like, this, I got the number. This is, I have to call and pay the ticket. I got the ticket number. And I got a call. And then it's this woman's fucking like probably her cell phone. And she was like, I'm not here right now, but you leave a message. I'll get back to you. I'm here on Monday, but I'm not here for the week. Yeah. And I'll get you back if you have a ticket. Just do this. And I'm like, what? Like literally, what is this? I think that's the Nothing, superintendent of my school district. Nothing's online. <laughs> government can't, the government in this city can't get a subway to work. Can't, I, everything's broken on the subway. And I'm people like, I, I, who don't live in the city are like, oh my God, they, they were left unattended <laughs> with a sheet. Like, yeah, I, of course. I will say I just paid a traffic violation online. You can pay You can pay New York City traffic violations yeah. online. Yeah. You cannot pay. And it's like some weird URL too. Uh, it's not like, it's not the dot gov. Geocities. They like, yeah, it's like Geocities and it's like a, that it's like a fucking PayPal. Oh my it's God. Like I had the worst luck recently. I've been pulled over and ticketed more times in the last two weeks than Driving I had in the previous well like 10 I mean, years. You moved to a it neighborhood absolutely that you crazy. moved out of Bed-Stuy and yeah. What, 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 do you think it was because you're black? No, no. I think once it was because I was driving on one of those friggin' scooters with no helmet on because oh, I just kind of forgot. fucking yeah, By the way, those was like the, the, the woman, the cop pulls up behind you and is like, you in the Vespa? Yeah, you on the it's Vespa. Vespa. I'm going to pull over. What is she Pull over in, in fucking Calabria? No, it's not a Vespa. <laughs> but if, for those who don't know, we have this thing. Um, like a lot of the cities have those bird scooters. Right? Yeah, we have Revel. actual scooters yeah. um, uh, that are electric scooters called Revel. And mm-hmm. you, you, you get a helmet with it, but it'll give you like head lice. Yeah, yeah. I, usually, I wear my hat every time I wear the helmet, which I presume is protecting me from yeah. lice. But of course, the patches in my head now tell a different story. Well, this is a great cash cow for the city of New York mm. because I saw somebody down here when I was coming here uh, uh-huh. riding one in Brooklyn with no helmet on and our friend Jonah told us that he got a ticket uh, with a, his visor half up not all the way down it was half up oh really they give tickets for the visor because yep. I wear my sunglasses when I'm riding the I thing. think you have to have like um Department of Transportation approved, approved protection. protection. Yeah, I don't know that my Persols actually qualify. But I love I can't. you fucking threw a brand name in there. I'm sorry. <laughs> We're selling a lot yeah. of product today. We're going to so, move uh, this merchandise. Yeah, you're going to move that merchandise. Yeah. We're going to get these refrigerators, these color TVs. <laughs> it's a dire stretch. Um, yeah, so anyway, um, anyway, kids, I sound like John Rickles yeah. ending a joke. Anyway, kids, uh, so uh, Epstein, yeah, but what else is going on? What else do we want to talk about? We've done it. We've done You've a lot of France, things. You've been in France, though. I mean, what, so when you were in France. I, I mean, no gilets jaunes. There, like, wasn't a bunch of Trump questions from people. And at some point, like, on the third or fourth Trump question, you know, you're like, you know, you guys kind of exported that shit to us. Yeah. Hey, do you want to have another runoff election with some Nazis, French people? (laughs) How's that going for you? (laughs) Fucking National Front. Oh, you know, we're going to change our name to National Rally, and we're still super racist. There's a... uh 
a new magazine um, that out of deference to my family, I won't mention where I saw it, uh, but it is hmm. basically the new Le Penist uh, type of magazine. But of course, it's 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 the next generation of Le Pens. So uh, it's 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 marine now, not Mario. Yeah, they get uh, they get younger and blonder. Yeah, they yeah. get younger and blonder, and so they're more respectable. Uh, but it's an it's a glossy magazine in the same way that right now in in America over the last twelve months, there's been this proliferation of kind of Trumpy. Uh, opinion magazines here, like American Greatness, and the Washington Examiner has Washington a magazine. Examiner has a magazine. Uh, other know. people are are like rushing in, and I'm I'm actually, uh, although uh, I, uh, yeah, you know, don't like Donald Trump, and I disagree with almost everything that's coming uh -oh. out of of, uh -oh. of these uh, magazines. I'm happy to see them because we had been talking about before on this uh, program. That um, there was this weird imbalance where, like, you could, you'd always find a Max Boot or a David Frum or a Tom Nichols or whoever the hell out there, um, kind of never Trump uh, characters in the national media. But you didn't have a lot of expression of the voice of Trumpism. And as much as I don't like Trumpism, um, you want to know what it's thinking mm -hmm. um and you should treat it like a you know the, the blob from the movie you in can't the 1970s. you can't find the dare stormer website or whatever. <laughs> daily stormer so i'm anyways, joking i'm joking anyways this is a precursor to Kid. say uh that the name of the magazine was glossy and kind of nice looking it was called lin correct l apostrophe incorrect and hmm. pronounce it in your french way as you want but like um and you think about it that makes total sense like they are embracing the anti-political correctness Right. Uh, and that is the reach out there. And I think it's a great cautionary tale on some level to a lot of people, because it's really easy in our like discourse climate and media climate and cancel climate and all the other shit that we talk about um, that uh, to spend your time focusing on uh, just on like rebelling against that um, uh is important actually mm -hmm. because that is closing the walls and you got to forcibly put your hands on the walls as they're closing in like in the Star Wars garbage compactor scene and say no like we got we need some space here to do some shit um but also that uh if that's all you're doing if you're not like creating your own great shit too um then you're just kind of in reactionary lulls zone um and it's and it's not particularly helpful. It's a, it tends to be like, but, but to try to put some intellectual sinew to a president who is so fantastically stupid. And I, I mean, I've uh, wavered for two seconds on this in the past. And then you see it, you see the tweets and, and oh, you know, he's doing it on purpose. He mis purposely misspelled it. <laughs> no, he's not doing it on purpose. Mm -hmm. I mean, you see his, you know, furtively photographed notes. And we talked about this before as Al Qaeda is spelt out. Um, like, you know, a mentally deranged four-year-old. But I think to interject here, I think that the project that's happening now on the sort of nationalist right that's mm -hmm. happening this year, really, this last six months, the Soha Harab or Ram, you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. Um, and uh, like First Things and Claremont Institute and all these people who are doing this, they almost never mention Trump. You ever notice that? Yeah. I like, mean, it's he's not a focused, disgrace. I it's mean, it's not focused on him as a person. They're trying, although it's entirely a reaction to him. They're trying to ennoble this they're trying uh, a power shift happened they want to be part of it george will had a column a couple of days ago about tucker carlson which was unfriendly towards tucker mm. um and it started off with a line which is absolutely correct um that i'm not going to uh say perfectly because it's not in front of me but that uh 
regimes have no trouble at long last uh, finding people, no matter how untoward uh, they might be, of uh, finding people who will attempt to explain in a positive light their behavior. Mm-hmm. Um, and this, I think this is, what, this is what's, is that close? Yes, I mean, it's oh, I'm good. sorry. I thought, I thought that was uh, like the voice of God uh, coming in <laughs> who had been reading it. Um, but uh, uh, I think that's what's happening here. People are trying to ennoble the moment without talking about too much the person who's the cause of the moment, because to do so to Moynihan's point is that you'd have to deal with the fact that he's a fucking moron I mean, and a bad person, a bad uh-huh. person and a moron. And I mean, I mean the tweets, I mean, you see as conservatives, uh, I I'm shocked to see conservatives act this way. I, I legitimately am, you know, in the sense that like, I mean, you know, I would be shocked if liberals did something that was the analog on, on the left, but it's astonishing to me to see him tweet about Kim Jong-un in the way he did a couple week and a half ago, um, which I can't find, honestly. I just Googled it. I was trying to find the tweet so I could read it. And there's so much that it doesn't even rate on the first page of Google. And it was a tweet about his, you know, his system and how he was just had his people in mind and he was so right, great. He'll accomplish there's, great things. He'll accomplish great things yeah. and he's lovely. And people who don't have you know, even the slightest functioning brain will say that this is some genius strategy of, of negotiation, which of course is never, is never bearing fruit and and, and it won't. Um, It's amazing to me that conservatives who would, you know, really just drag anyone from, you know, up till 1989 who said something even remotely sympathetic to the Soviet Union. Remember this, and people often forget this, is that Ronald Reagan has become this avatar of conservative greatness, particularly the fact that he was a cold warrior. I think Steve Bannon uh, made a film about this in one of Steve Bannon's films, that it was it was about, um, you know, deliver us from evil or something. It was about Reagan's Cold War. It was based on Peter Schweitzer's book called Reagan's War. And but it was a fantastic Cold War. But at the time, contemporaneous to Reagan's, I mean, he was criticized in such an aggressive way from the right. So Commentary yeah. Magazine you know, said, do not fall for the Gorbachev stuff. And, and, you know, Reagan said, I want to get rid of all nukes, which he tried to give away at Reykjavik, much the shock of all the people that were, that were, you know, his aides. And, you know, it's not, I mean, commentary in National Review, et cetera. Everybody was criticizing him for being soft on the Soviets and actually saying, hey, let's give this kind of diplomacy with, with uh, Gorbachev a chance, which ended up actually bearing fruit and, and, and resulting in the dissolution of the Soviet empire. If anyone went a little soft, you'd get upbraided pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. And now Donald Trump is tweeting in like barely coherent English with random things capitalized and, you know, sentences strung together that make not too much sense, but you know, it's a hand job to Kim Jong-un and nobody says anything, particularly on the right. I mean, you have the, you have the never Trumpers, you know, the bulwark types and the rest of it, but you do not have people in the mainstream conservative movement who have you know, abandoned their principles and sold their own souls for what? For somebody who I don't believe is going to be reelected and who will bring disgrace to their own careers, some of which are already disgraceful. I mean, Stephen Moore, people like this who, you know, couldn't, you know, be an economist in any real situation to be tried. He was just these kind of shibboleths of, of conservative economics. He was just repeating them. He wasn't very smart about these things. But all of a sudden he believes in protectionism, right? He doesn't believe in free trade anymore. All these people... You know, I mean, I saw, you know, Ken Cuccinelli is getting in trouble this week, right? 
and he's up there flacking for the fucking Trump administration. I stood next to Ken Cuccinelli. I, I have, we, we were shooting this. When were the Virginia delegation at the RNC when he was booing and screaming shame? Oh, I remember. Remember that. this. I that remember Ken, that. These people that was have no fucking principles. Wow. And now he's up there saying things about, you know, the the Lazarus poem on 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 the Statue of Liberty. And like, this is where we are. These people will sell their souls. They have no principles whatsoever. They don't believe in any of these things that they pretended to believe in. A few of them do. And, you know, it's, you talk about guys like Thomas Massey and, you know, Rand Paul's, you know, who knows which way the wind's going to blow him. But, you know, that's, I mean, the, the fact that people are are backing this guy up on some of the most reprehensible things. And the one thing that you notice pretty consistently is I believe it was, um, that podcast I was talking about with, 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 with Dathit, where he was uh, trying to bait him into uh, criticizing Trump and nobody will do it. Nobody will do it. And that I think is disgraceful. And you would see this in the democratic side in the 1970s. Scoop Jackson would, would, you know, slap around yeah. Democrats for, you know, Jimmy Carter for, for being spineless on cold war issues. And you would have people on the, the left of the democratic party slapping around, uh, Donald, uh, uh, Barack Obama, Barbara Lee and people like that because they weren't sufficiently progressive. And you have now a group of conservatives that are, are falling almost completely in line in the ones that don't end up leaving. Right? Just today. Uh, They're disgra- the Republican Party is a, is a disgrace. The president of the United States at nine o'clock in the morning or so um, pressured Israel to not allow two members of Congress, the United States yeah. Congress. Astonishing. To go to Israel. Um, they denied that at first, the spokesman for Trump said, oh, no, that's not true. And then an hour later, Trump tweeted out, obviously, um, that, yeah, Ilhan Omar and uh, and uh, what's her face? Um, uh, shouldn't (laughs) guess a lot of names. It's fine. There's a lot of alcohol. I mean, that whole the bottle of rosé is gone. I think the Johnny Walker. We're almost done with that. It's pretty (laughs) much finished. Wait. Yeah. Uh, I mean, uh, I in my cups. I hope. And like they and. We're putting Netanyahu, who's gaming U.S. politics constantly as part of his entire career, putting him in, a, in an awkward position. So Israel does this. I mean, just fill in the blanks with any president and any two Congress people from the opposition party and imagine that being a three hour story as opposed to a three month story. I, I mean, it was a clever, clever and disgraceful move from Trump that these people weren't both of them aren't let into Israel. Uh, because it wasn't uh, just a little snit that Netanyahu had directed by Trump. I mean, it's following in the people that advised Trump on this. It's following a law from 2017, um, a deeply, I think, unfair law that can prevent people from entering the country um, if they support the BDS movement, the boycott, divest and sanction movement. So that's what they're using uh, as a cover to keep them out of the country and to please the president because, I mean, they're banking that he might get a second term and, you know, moving the embassy to Jerusalem. Jeez, everybody's promised that and Trump did it. So, you know, Netanyahu, who's, you know, corrupt in a million ways, um, is is putting all his chips on this. So bad is this decision that APAC denounced it today. APAC came out and they really line up behind the Israeli government on most, most issues. I mean, I can't remember the last time They've differed. 
I could be wrong about that, and I'll get emails if if it, if it is wrong. But um, Eli Lake is a listener to the show. Eli's a listener, yeah. Oh, by the way, I found the Trump t- uh, tweet. Yeah. It's a two-part tweet. I'm just going to read the second tweet. Chairman Kim has a great and beautiful vision for his country. Mm. Beautiful. Mm. And a beautiful Stalinist vision. And only the United States <laughs> with me as president can does, make that vision Stalin. come true. Only the United States with me as president. Can make Juche. Can make <laughs> that beautiful vision oh, come Stalin. true. Yeah, yeah. I think the vision, by the way, has already come true. I, I, Penury is, and misery. It is odd to, to hear, um, certainly this and more recently, I, I think the president's tweets um, and comments about Hong Kong um, and the situation with China, the negotiations over the trade war. It's obvious what the president is doing here. This is the president's ham-fisted attempt at diplomacy, where it just comes across as very overly generous praise. But what do you um, make of of these of these men? What do you make of the theory that that Trump just enjoys strong men? And in 1990, uh, in an interview with Playboy, mm-hmm. gave kind of a big up to, uh, I think, Deng Xiaoping at the time for, for um, his response Very at, uh-huh. Uh-huh. at uh, Tiananmen. Yeah. Because you and I both know you can hear it echoing, you know, in your brain, China, like constant, constant uh-huh. abuse, constant abuse. Mm-hmm. Some of it deserved, by the way. Right. And constantly creating that as... America's, you know, sort of global enemy, you know, not so much Russia, Russia but more China. Only, only, and we have Peter Navarro and these people who create this. But, right. But, but now when the Chinese, you know, what he, they're criticized for is shipping products to America and buying American products, which I think is quite admirable in uh-huh. so many ways. Right. Yes, they manipulate currency. That's true. Mm-hmm. And yes, they, it's not free trade because they're very unfair in their own domestic trade practices. Uh-huh. And yes, there's state-run industries, but we can't, despite the fact that Navarro says we're going to get the world together, it's not going to happen. Right. So we criticize them on that. And then they bring the heavies into Hong Kong and start cracking heads. And there's paramilitaries waiting but I think what to the, come in. But what, the, but what the president's, but the president's comments on the China situation have been along the lines of, I am confident yeah. um, that President Xi can find a peaceful resolution to this situation. He's he's wise enough to do it. Like there, which he hasn't done. Yet. It, no, agree. But, I, but I, I would say even there with Kim, similarly, like no, he's like, been like he's done positive, both things. Please, please he's go in this him direction. Rocket, little rocket yeah, man, yeah. and on the other kind of extreme, fat, on yeah. the other extreme, he's yeah. he's talked about him as his great friend and how he's confident that he can bring his great vision for his country for this country into fruition. Because Trump is president, let's work together and be friends. But I mean, Again, how stupid is that? It's, it's bad. It isn't particularly it's, elegant. You know, it's, it's not even that it's but not it's, elegant. But it seems obvious that there is an, an attempt at diplomacy here, that someone else more sophisticated might actually approach in a different way, but that the president via Twitter manages to screw up and simply make look like him heeping praise on but Camille, dastardly Camille, people. If, you, if the three of us, not that room, he hasn't heaped praise on dastardly people yeah. before the detail comes to mind, but if the three of us in this room can realize the strategy, mm-hmm. if we can even call it that, right. Cause that yes. suggests some sort of forethought. Yeah. <laughs> the strategy of like, I'm going to be nice to him now. I'm right. going to be mean to him. I'm going to be nice to him. And yeah. then I'll like, I'll give him credit. <laughs> I'll say, Oh, he's great. And then he'll, you know, that's how I, it's how you negotiate yeah, it's yeah. in my book. Yeah. <laughs> you don't think they notice these things? Right. They, I mean, they, they, I mean, this, no one is being fooled by this. Right. There's no carrot. There's no stick. There's praise 
and then there's mean Trump. Right. And then there's praise. And then and, there's and mean there's, Trump. It, it should be pointed out that there's been reporting that Trump uh, said to Xi in June um, as part of a discussion yeah, about right. other multilateral things, bilateral things. Um, I'm not going to um, give you a hard time if you crack down on Hong Kong. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's yeah. the problem for me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. I I expect him to be inelegant. I expect him to be like super obvious when he's doing things, including uh, kind of to, to honor the spirit of your inquiry here. Like it's obscene the way that he talks about North Korea. And it's also great that he, unlike President John Kasich, hasn't gone to war with them. Right. Because, you know, I mean, as of February 2016, every other serious person in Washington basically wanted a preemptive war against North Korea. It's already been forgotten about, mm-hmm. but it was the heat and the passion of the moment because they sure, were sure. testing out ballistic missiles. We have to do so anything. We have to do something, anything to stop them from getting nuclear right. weapons. So I'm glad. And I saw Mike. I mean, but remember the battle group Vincennes was, was, you know, steaming, barreling right, towards. towards yeah. Yeah. I mean, so sure. they were, they were doing things that were, you know, kind of flexing some muscles. Yeah, I mean, they weren't for sure. I'm down not entirely. Right. And I give some measure of credit to that. The only problem I have is that I see some people that are, you know, so strenuously anti-interventionist and all of these in intervention in Hong Kong, intervention in North Korea would be disastrous. And I would oppose it from the word go. But they all I, I see people that don't even want him to say anything. Yes. Yes. Which is I find crazy. I just, so over vacation uh, in order to relax. The That's French, total capitulation to me. In the mm. French countryside, I read Samantha Powers, a uh, new uh memoir, which is very, very interesting, called The Education of an Idealist. Hmm. Should have been called The Corruption of Power, but that's <laughs> going to be the headline of my recent piece, probably. She was uh, kind of mean to me, by the way. Continue. Uh, I can understand why. Yeah. Um, and it's interesting because, you know, she was the the U.S. ambassador to the United Nations during the, the second half of Obama's tenure. And, you know, she was genocide chick before that, making a big deal about the importance of <laughs> even I'm going to say that's a bit. Condescending. <laughs> <laughs> no, that, that was that, that was the, the nickname that she would say for herself. It was I'm not really genocide chick. Chick. Google it now. Oh genocide. chick. Just Google genocide chick and you will see Samantha Power's name comes up. I, hope, not, I don't know. I've no idea what kind of porn is going to come. Matt up. Welch <laughs> refers to Samantha Powers no! as genocide chick. That's the first headline I see. This is absolutely not true. OK, um, sorry. But at any rate, um, I have a lot of. Yeah, I I, want to say Matt's right. Uh, The Telegraph, Lennon's Telegraph 2008. She's a self-proclaimed genocide chick. Thank you. Continue. I I apologize for for doubting you. She had written a a problem from hell. Pulitzer Prize winning book from 2002 ish um, that talked about kind of U.S. and also U.N. or international uh, impotence in the faces in the face of uh, genocides like in Rwanda and elsewhere. And like, Mm -hmm. why, why does it happen? And what are the bureaucratic problems? So in her memoir, it's all about kind of, you know, what happens when you try to put those ideas into practice in the administration um, and the kind of bureaucratic things that you get um, uh, hit with. I have a lot of uh, quibbles with the way that she looks at it. Um, You know, she was a supporter of the Libya intervention still, and uh, and the book is kind of uh, bracketed around the Syria intervention, which she wanted to do. And, and D- does she fess up to being a supporter of the, the Iraq war? No, she says she was an opponent. That's absolutely untrue. I want to. There is a video of her on C-SPAN. I mean, I mean, this is I want I want you to write about that. I, because here's the thing. I just a, a quick comment on that is that, you know, there are guys like David from 
like Max Boot, like Paul Wolfowitz, like the kind of neocon establishment. Bill Crystal has been forgotten about because he's more useful in the sort of anti-Trump way now. But these people that supported the Iraq war, and, you know, initially I was one of them too. I mean, it was- So was Camille. Yeah. Uh, I wasn't. It's true. Yeah, you were. I, no, I never supported the Iraq war. Oh, okay. I thought you did. Yeah. A lot of people you, thought you, that. You were the war blog guy. I thought uh, you did. Yeah. Yeah, Justin I, Raimondo, I, 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 I was, I was, uh, I was uh, younger and- um you know, it was a very different time. And it, it, it felt something felt ominous in the air, and I made a mistake. But um, these people that do get that brutalized, the conservatives like uh, from and the rest of it, I think that we do take a, a lighter hand on Democrats, liberals, whatever you want to call them, the Republic, because I don't believe a Republican president in two thousand three and four could have sold the Iraq War without support of liberals. No, the liberal internationalists for sure um, yeah. were like totally key um, from that. And so I'll be, I'll be very it's, interested to yeah. hear yeah. more evidence about this because she really asserts like as a flat thing that she was against the Iraq war mm -hmm. and was misperceived as someone who had been for it. But in fact, that the record will show uh, I bring it up because one of the things that she talks about uh, in the book is the ability and the importance to call out bad things that are happening that are bad, um, even when that doesn't mean it goes into let's mobilize everything for war. And she probably wouldn't recognize this as a highlight from her book, but I take it as such. Uh, she talked about shit that was going down in the Central African Republic, just forgotten, terrible country in the middle of Africa. Um, and the U.S. was never going to intervene. It was never on the table. And it was more of a question of, hey, look, we should be able to say things in real time and maybe encourage other people and have this press conference. And it seemed to, in her telling, um, help tip the scales in a positive direction that might have saved some lives. We should always be doing that. I'm totally good with that. And what's really weird and, and, and poisoned about the way that we talk about stuff is because we've militarized every problem. We've used the U.S. military, which gets such a disproportionate amount of of both respect and money um, to like solve every problem. There's an earthquake, send the military, whatever. Um, Ebola, send the military. Um, that that's all we think about. So people are so gun shy from just saying, "Hey, look, let's sympathize with the Hong Kong protesters." We should. We should totally sympathize with the Hong Kong protesters. China, which is an authoritarian country, wants to violate the terms of the treaty that it signed in order to have Hong Kong, and it wants to uh, to injure the rights of the people who live there. And they're going to send their goons in. Uh, I hope not, but probably are at some point. I mean, certainly are like in a subterranean way mm -hmm. um, sometime soon. And it, we, Megan McArdle, uh, who's a, a, a friend of, uh, of some of ours, was saying like, oh, you know, we really shouldn't like talk about this out loud because, you know, that's uh, that might affect the situation negatively. It's like, no, that you brought up Reagan. And I'll stop here with this is that, yes, he was criticized constantly. He was criticized for not like stepping in more forcefully uh, during the crackdown against solidarity in Poland in the early 1980s, um, as Eisenhower had been in 1956 in Hungary and, and elsewhere. And we look back with, uh, you know, the the 
the knowledge of history, aren't we glad that the U.S. didn't try to intervene in the many times that the Russia or the Soviet Union cracked down internally in Eastern Europe? Yes, of to, course to, we to, are. To great disappointment uh, from Hungarians in of 1956 course, and but, Czechs in 1968. Yeah. But they all sure. knew. Yeah. They all knew where our sympathies were. You can still express yourself forcefully. And with passion and in a way that, like, reaches people without sending a fucking warship. Yeah. And, like, we've lost the ability to realize that that is possible. And that and that is sad. Uh, so Samantha Powers, uh, she can, you know, slice it pretty thin and say that, you know, she didn't support it. But I'm going to give you a, a quote from February 5th, 2003, when she oh, was asked, asked the question Deep cuts. about um, at the Carnegie, Carnegie Endowment for International Peace. She said, my feeling is that an intervention, intervention in Iraq, even a unilateral one, is undoubtedly going to make Iraq a more humane place. Oh, as, as somebody who's looked at the relationship between state power and sovereignty on the one hand and individual rights on the other, I have to say to myself, if the human rights movement meant anything, it meant sometimes sovereignty can't be a shield, a protection for regimes that forfeit their claim to that privilege. Uh, it goes on, and there's some more interesting things too, but she might not have expressly endorsed George Bush's vision for the invasion of Iraq, but she did predict, as a lot of people did, and I can say that probably I was one of them, but I was a kid and not an ambassador or a Harvard, <laughs> Harvard professor, so you have to hold me to lower standards, um, that this was going to make uh, Iraq a significantly better place. Hmm. Unfortunately, it didn't. I, I wish it had, but, um, you know. Is it more humane? Is it not more humane than it was? Well, there's also, there's also a, a, a quote from her on, on Hardball and Chris Matthews' show. Hardball! Uh, asking, Samantha, is it of just war? And, like, asking, like, and she's like, won't answer the question. So, yeah. I mean... Anyway, she lives in my hometown, by the way, now, with the guy, the nudge guy. Cass Sunstein. Yeah, she's yeah. married to Cass Sunstein. Um, and by the way, one more uh, totally unrelated thing before we do something else, maybe go home. Yeah. Um, uh, Donald Trump, according to the Wall Street Journal, oh, no. asked, um, <laughs> uh, the subhead says, with varying degrees of seriousness, which means at one point he was serious, Oh yeah. if he could buy Greenland. This yeah, he's very best. interested. It, it, which is really amazing. Yeah. He wants to buy Greenland. I, I, I think mean, this, this is probably like number two on my list of favorite things that Donald Trump has, has suggested or has insisted that the Americans do like Space Force, mm -hmm. which is also great. I mean, Space Force is just a nice idea. He's just a crazy I mean, I person. I don't want them to spend any money on it. I kind of just want the logo and the T-shirt, but the Space Force is good. I think we have to separate one thing, and this uh, is going to be the sort of fifth column credo on this, uh, is you separate the fact that the coverage of him is often insane. Yeah. And he is it's also totally insane. It's also uh, really funny. Uh, uh, well, yeah. I mean, uh, he's very funny. He has very good comedic timing. Uh, yes. I think so. Yeah, that's, that's the best way to put it. He, he yeah. shouldn't be the president, but, uh, but he's, he's, <laughs> I wanted to say, uh, I, think, I think most people shouldn't be president. I think the only person qualified to be president is, is probably, John Hickenlooper. Probably me. You know, but Camille 2020. No, I just, I, I know what I would do. Do with you qualify for the power. debates? I, I don't, I do not qualify for the debates. Why? Cause your house is, I didn't up? try. That's why. If Justin Amash runs for the Libertarian Party uh, ticket, will you be the vice president? Yes. If if asked, I will run. Yes. Okay. Absolutely. We broke some news here. That's tonight. easy. Yeah, it's easy. Uh, I will say something bad about Justin Amash. Do it. Um, <laughs> kind of we, he he responded. Well, his person responded to me 
because um, I, I wanted to sit down with them. Mm-hmm. And then they fucking blew me off. Whoa. Yeah. Seriously? I'll tell you why, when you're a journalist, you get these little plugins. Did you? This is, I'm going to reveal it to them right oh, now. No. Oh, no. Get these little plugins on you Chrome. You can see we're on his open, open email. Exactly. Yeah. I yeah. saw you open my email. Yeah, I know when you people. open my emails too, folks. Yeah. I do I know. know. I know. They're a little overworked. They don't have a press person. You know this. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> not good enough. I, I mean, literally, he's a member of Congress. Figure it out. How long has he been there now? <laughs> couple How, years. Couple years? C- couple ten Jeez, years. Jeez, I mean, you know, I'm a press person. She responded to me. Maybe that's the gender. I don't know. Wow. Z responded to me. <laughs> and, and, you know. Oh, my God. Yeah, by the way, the, the I just want to say. Make it right. I just want to say that the uh, Matt talking about um, uh, Robert Maxwell's daughter, uh, who was. Epstein's procurer of women. Uh, there was a picture of her um, at In and Out. You said right? Yeah. It's the cover of tomorrow's New York Post. Oh no! Oh, and is it's, it good? Uh, the headline is In a Pickle. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> Exclusive Epstein's Madam at L.A. Burger Stand. Yeah, there you go. So there you go. is it's it at least the Hollywood one, or Hollywood one, or I don't know. Yeah. It's the and that's not a burger stand. What do we call the thing at the end of the show that it's not uh, some idiot wrote this, but it's it's a nice thing. By the way, whatever, just, whatever you want. Yeah, I just want to say that that's a pretty brazen picture that they took of her. Like literally walked up at her while she's eating her burger and just snapped a picture. Like she's staring directly into the camera. That's Hollywood. That's Hollywood yeah. Boulevard. That's yeah. the best one. That's right yeah. next to the uh, the. Um, Rock and roll high school. You could probably, you, well, you could probably find a lot of high schools and girls around there to, to procure. That's probably why she's oh, there. Oh, God. God. Maybe someone should text her and tell her that he's dead. There was an article. <laughs> Jeez. There's what? an article I, that I want to perv. recommend to listeners of this podcast that I sent around to these boys uh, earlier mm-hmm. by Khalifa Sane. It's quite good. Yeah, good enough? Good. Yeah. Uh, New Yorker. Um, name of it is The Fight to Redefine Racism. It's basically a... Um, uh, book review essay. It reminds me of back when the New York Review of Books used to be good. Yeah. Uh, uh, just like a really well thought uh, essay that uh, touches in a lot of places where Camille especially, but all of us have talked about on the show. Um, just a great and tightly written and kind of devastating look at Ibram X's How to Be an Anti-Racist. I heard him on the I, New I York s- Public Radio the other I day. Saw, I saw um, his uh, um, book on... Stink stamped, the stamped the other day. from I, the beginning yeah. is his other, other book. Yeah. Um, also, on, I was on, it was on WNYC. Yeah. yeah. Commies. By the way, today I heard a um, thing on National NPR... And this is the thing you say at the end of the show, because uh, you hope that no one's listening. Um, <laughs> I, it was I, I urge people to listen to it to make sure I'm not completely fucking crazy. But All Things Considered today had a report on Placido or Placido, Placido Domingo being uh, accused in a Me Too kind of thing. They interviewed a woman who said that he asked her. If she was going home that evening, 20 years ago, he asked her this. And uh, the host said, did he ever touch you? And said, no, not inappropriately touched you. Did he ever affect your career and prevent you from being the opera singer that you wanted to be? No, that didn't happen. And I was trying to figure out what the point of the story was. He said something rude 20 years ago, according to this woman. Sure, she's probably telling the truth. But we've gotten to a point that Placido Domingo, Placido Domingo saying something rude 20 years ago was a five plus minute 
piece on NPR. Now, I, I heard after that there are other accusers, but the, the, the NPR piece was really bizarre. It was very bizarre. There was I had no an touching. awkward conversation with yeah, someone. Yeah, basically. Um, that he didn't, you know, he was just flirty and that kind of thing. If that's the standard, Moynihan, how many NPR oh stories God. would be written about you? Uh, they have actually created an NPR station. <laughs> 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 it's a new vertical. It's a new vertical. Yeah. It's the called, hashtag trending, called, right? Yeah. Moynihan's. Yeah. It's, yeah, Moynihan's. That's great. <laughs> yeah. Moynihan's.org. It's a nonprofit. They don't Yeah. Yeah. Hey, I, I just want when 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 that does happen and they, they find this audio, I'm like, see, admit it to it. I don't admit to it. I do not. I am an absolute gentleman. I'm a gentleman. Gentle. Oh my god. I'm a gen- gentle hands. Yeah. I'm, I'm imagining. Yeah. I'm imagining like the television commercial for it. The music in the background. In the arms of an angel. If you've been touched by Michael Moynihan, wow. please call this number look right at, away. Look at liquored, liquored wow. Camille. Oh, His eyes are slits. That He's is. Happy. Oh, my God. You know, at some point, not this week, because we've been going for a while already, yeah, I, I, I so. would like to revisit um, some of the uh, the the national uh, carnage that's been visited upon the country, these uh, mass shootings that have taken place um, and some other shooting incidents, some violence that's taken place and the the way it's been covered, um, different events in different places involving different people and the, the political opportunism, uh, I think, that is necessarily on display in a lot of these uh, circumstances, I, I think is very interesting and worth talking about when I am slightly more sober. Okay. I'm probably not going to be responsible right now. Yeah. Really? See? I suppose. It's making yeah. good decisions. Yeah. Like, exactly. I thought about that. I thought about the circumstances, the limited time that we have now, yeah. the fact that I am a little inebriated, and the fact that I just want to be sensible when I'm having that conversation. <laughs> That's all I'm saying. Is that? Are you responsible? Uh, okay. Is yeah. that? Is that? Should, I don't know if we should end on that. Let me just, should we say something that's more positive than that? That's, I mean, it's positive. Me being, me being what's responsible. What's positive is the three of us being in this room together. Yeah, that I'm happy that that's nice. happened. I've done this in a long that time. That feels nice. Yeah. Yeah. Right? yeah we, 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 yeah, we got to do something. We have a lot of conversations to have after this mm-hmm. podcast. About yeah, you're not allowed around. to leave for a month again, Matt yeah. Welch. That's my tape measure. So. Listen, back, <laughs> in the, back in the day, we used to, you know, I would did the remote kind of thing but we're That's like true. we got off the phone thing which is we got fine. The phone thing the phone yeah. thing is terrible phone yeah. thing is terrible yeah but um i was looking back at somebody um asked yeah come mm-hmm. on, uh, somebody asked for representative mm-hmm. uh sampling sampling of yeah. the show mm-hmm. and i was going back and i started going back deep and, you know, oh. and i was like man i had some times when i just wasn't showing up <laughs> <laughs> it was like a half a year there man yeah, oh my yeah, god yeah. yeah that was a pretty pretty dark year yeah. yeah, it's a pretty dark year. I don't want to. I want to fucking be in a room with you guys. I wanted to, I wanted to be like help? listening to Morrissey and weeping and and you know reading I Philip Larkin poems. Tonight. Is that yeah. what you do? And Morrissey is what what you what you push there? No, I usually just take a bunch of Xanax. Oh. See how I feel. Yeah. And if that doesn't work, uh, you know, then I put Morrissey. Actually, yeah, well, it's usually not. Depeche Mode for me. Wow! Really? Yeah, not you? Really. No, no. <laughs> not I'm very all. impressed that you knew it, Camille. I mean, a little bit. I mean, it's yeah. better than Dave Matthews or Counting I, Crows. I love Dave Matthews. That's fucking embarrassing. I'm. I'm not going to start to sing Dave Matthews. Please don't. I yeah. could. If we stay here for another five minutes, I'm going. No. To. How, hey, do we, how do we get out of here goodbye. right now? Goodbye. Bye. 
we know of new methods of attack. The Trojan horse, the fifth column.